Hello, everybody. We're going to continue on in a series we're doing called Living Invitations. And um, as the title suggests, this is a calling that we have on our lives. It's really about being a people of purpose and mission. It's about being the church. And the church is about people. And we're to live in such a way, the Apostle Peter told us, that, that we live such good lives among people that don't know Jesus yet that they are drawn into um, relationship with Him before His return. And so there's a lot that's going into this series already. And, and um, last week I sort of focused us back on kingdom hospitality and that God's amazing grace is the foundation uh, and motivation for hospitality. And we, we looked at a, the parable of the prodigal son. We sort of did the first part of that and we, we talked about the amazing love and the amazing grace of the Father. And today we're going to continue our discussion on grace uh, and uh, hospitality and we're going to look at the second part of um, that, uh, that parable and look at the older brother's reaction to the grace and hospitality of God so that we can, we sort of get a lesson from that as to what not to be and yet we have a tendency to react like the older brother does in a lot of situations, the church does. And so we need to be aware of that. Alright, that's the intro. Transition, always a bad joke or two. Pavlov is sitting at the counter in a little ice cream shop and a customer walks in and the bell over the front door rings and he went, oh, I forgot to feed the dog. That's really funny. If you don't get it, go think about it. Pavlov's dog, nothing. He used to ring the bell and the, okay, never mind. Well, I don't know if you're going to get this one either. What do you call an arrogant criminal running down the stairs? A condescending, condescending. You, okay, you'll go, oh, yeah, huh? You'll like this one then. What do you call a southern lumberjack? A tree feller. See? <laughs> the first one was really the funniest, though. Okay, scripture reading. Here we go, Luke. 15, 25 through 32. I'm reading the back, uh, back end, the bottom part of the parable that we started last week. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, You are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So we have a completely opposite reaction now from the reaction that the father had to the return of this lost son and the reaction that the um, older brother is having in the process. So last week uh, I said that, that grace is the hospitality of God to welcome sinners, not because of their goodness, but because of His goodness. And I said that the ultimate display 
of uh, uh, the ultimate act of hospitality was when Jesus died for sinners to make everyone who believes a member of the household of God. We talked about that last week. And that's the idea of grace. The, the word for grace in the Greek is charis, which means, uh, it, often it's sort of described as unmerited favor, but it means more than that. It's something, it's the grace of God that brings joy, it brings pleasure, and it causes us to be thankful. That's, that's, there's something in that word that has all those meanings. And, and yet the older brother in our scripture reading today didn't see the grace of God uh, towards his brother as a joyful thing at all. And what we need to do is look at this because unfortunately it's very easy for the church, that's us, to become like the older brother. In fact, it almost always starts to happen if we're not being vigilant. We'll just slip right into it. Uh, almost before we, we catch ourselves, we slip into being just like the older brother when it comes to the way that we think about um, the lost in the world around us. And yet, uh, you know, this is a lead up now because next week we're, we're going to really dig into mission for a few weeks. Uh, and, you know, as, as the people of God, that's what we're all about. You know, the, the church uh, is, is set up to, to, to worship and to fellowship and to, to do those things. And we'll talk up more about that. And, and the church throughout time that we're a part of the story of. I believe that the church is still doing all those things. The one church, the thing that the church can't do any longer that's gone on before us to Jesus is they can't do this part, which is the mission part, which is helping people to come to know Jesus. That's on us. And that's what we, that's our purpose. It's our focus. It's what we need to be really concerned about and thinking about is how do we help the lost whom, whom God loves so much that He's made a way for them to be reconnected back. How, what, how do we live in a way that helps them find their way back to Jesus. And, and so this parable is very important. So the uh, first point in your notes is this, and it's a great question. So are we living for God or for us? That, that really becomes sort of the question that we need to be asking ourselves. Um, as believers, we're to be a people of mission. We have purpose. And we're, here's the deal, we're, we're called to enter a vineyard, we're called to labor in a vineyard with others and for others. And so our, our mission must be a labor of, of, of love and, and not of selfishness. And we're not to compare the amount or, or length of our labor against others. In, in our hearts, we're to settle that what we do, we do for Him. And there's a story that Jesus tells that, that I want to share with you today. It is one of my favorites. Um, if you've been here for any length of time, you've heard me do it before, but because of the nature of this parable, it's worth us returning to because I believe it is the most heart-revealing parable in the Bible. And so I like to keep, keep myself in this one all the time and, and really think about how it makes me feel when I read it because it really helps me know how I'm doing in relationship uh, to uh, how I'm doing with Him and how I'm doing the people around me and where my heart is and if I'm really walking in humility, if I understand, I'm, I'm understanding that it's about Him and, and, and that that's where life is found. So here's the story. And um, as I read it to you, uh, I want you to sort of think about it and consider, I'll ask you a couple of questions at the end to really consider. But this is like the best heart revealer that, that I can think of in the Scripture. Matthew 20, beginning in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. And he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. 
About the third hour he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went and he went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Well, no one has hired us, they said. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. So the workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now, here's the big question. How does that parable make you feel when you read it? And, and this, this is the question, really, put yourself in the parable. How do you think you would feel, this is the big heart revealer, if you were the first ones hired and you worked all day long in the heat of the sun? All day, long day. Now, you were happy to have a job, don't get me wrong, and that was a good deal. And the guy said, basically said, you know, say, look, I'm going to, you come and work for me, I'll give you a hundred bucks. And we're like, cool, that's great, thank you, I'm in. And you're happy, you got you're going to have money at the end of the day, you can feed the family, everything's good, you're pretty excited about having some work, out you go, so you work all day. But as you're working, you know, first uh, couple of hours, all of a sudden some more people show up. And you're probably happy that there's some more folks along to help, you know, do the deal, some people show up, and then that happens again a couple hours later, and a couple hours later it happens again, well that's all good, and then the very last hour of the day, all the major work's done, you know, another sort of crew comes in and kind of helps with the cleanup, you're probably happy to have them around. And there they are. And it's payday, it's pay time, you know, and he starts paying people. And then people that only worked an hour, he, they're getting a hundred bucks. And you're like, they were only here an hour. They're getting a hundred bucks. And so you're, and then when you go up, and now you've been there, you put in your eight-hour shift, you worked a full day in the heat of the sun, they give you a hundred bucks. It was agreed to up front. But all of a sudden, that hundred bucks doesn't seem as good as the hundred bucks that other guy got for working an hour. Do you see the problem? How do you feel about that? Well, most of us think that's a, not right. When, when we're sort of honest with how we do culturally and where we're at, that does not seem fair to us and we struggle with that. And it seems like, well, that's not right. That's sort of the reaction. If you put yourself in that position, you would probably not feel like that had gone very well. Now, if you were one of the ones that worked an hour and you got a hundred bucks, how would you feel? Yes. It's sort of positional in there, right? But, but think about it, it's a very real thing. Now, so it doesn't seem fair, that's where most of us get to, for people who work one hour to get the, the same as people who worked all day. So you have to kind of deal with that. And I often think about that, how am I doing with that? How would I be with that? And, and the way that you get to there is, is, well, what would Jesus' reaction be? Remember, he's the one telling the story, so we, can, we kind of have a clue to his reaction. And, and here's where Jesus would come at this whole thing. I, I think he would have been happy to see people who did not have work get some work. Something that made them feel useful and that they had a purpose and that things were going on, that would have been really good. I think um, he would have thought that, that 
that they got paid more than generously. And really everybody got paid more than generously for the day. Um, I think if he was one of the first ones to work, he would have been blessed that what he did helped in the whole blessing that the last person got because they made it possible for all these things to happen. And I think he would have celebrated. That's my thinking. So not only would he have not been upset about being one of the first ones there, I think at the end he would have been... So you know, I say, how would you feel if you were the last one in there and you got a hundred bucks for working an hour and, and you knew how cool that was? I think that's the heart of Jesus. He would have been like, yes, God is good. See, he's expressing the heart of the Father. This is the heart of the Father. He loves people. And, and he cares about people. And, and he, he cared about the first people in. He did. He, that was a generous thing. He, and they, everybody was... We have to get used. That was a good thing. Those people got a good, and it was good all the way along. And it just seemed even better for those last people, but it was good, right? It was a really amazing thing that happened. And, and I think what it allows us to do is help us sort of get our eyes open to how much of a tendency we have to be a little selfish. Not, not, not in a beat yourself up bad way, but there's a reality to that, and I think if we're not aware of it, we, we also stop being people that um, walk around in, with the measure of humility that we need to have. Because once we, we get selfish, we start, we start getting arrogant pretty quickly. And, and so the reason I like to read that is it really helps me feel, see where I'm at in, on this journey. I, I really I try and be in tune with how I'm feeling at that moment and how close am I to being like, go God, uh, instead of not fair. So... so this is the dynamic now that's happening between the older brother and the younger brother, right? The older brother is, he's mad. He, this isn't right. There's, there's no way. He laughed. He spent his, he, he, how, can you, how can you do that? And, and I'm here all the time and it's like nothing. And yet the father, remember the father, I love that if father went running to the lost son, the father goes right after this one and pursues him and says, son, you're, you're here. I've always loved you. you. Anything you want, all you ever do is ask for. You're, your younger brother should have, you should have figured it out when he asked for his inheritance with wrong motives and I gave it to him. You could have had a calf or a goat or whatever you wanted anytime you asked. It's never been about how good you are following the rules. I love you just because you're my son. But see, he couldn't make the connection. He got stuck in this whole thing about how, how much he's doing and how important that was and, and how that positioned him differently, he thought, than, than the younger brother. But the love of the father, the father loves his children, see? And he wants them all in relationship with him. That's the heart of the father. Some of the children that will choose not to be in relationship with him, and that's, that's their choice. But, but there's a way for them to be in relationship with God, and he's hoping that people find that way. So what we have to do then is, secondly, we have to be aware of the fact that this whole journey, it's, not, it's just not all about me. It's not all about me. Whenever I say it's not all about me here, I always follow it up with this caveat. It's important you know that. It is some about me. That's a good thing. So, so I don't want you to go too far to an extreme. It's not all about me and, and think it's nothing about you because there's a lot that's about you. It's just not all about you. It's some about you. And, and that matters and that's important. 1 Corinthians 15, 48 through 49. This is out of the message paraphrase. It says, The first man was made out of earth and people since then are earthy. The second man was made out of heaven and people now can be heavenly. In the same way that we've worked from our earthy origins, let's embrace our heavenly ends. Now I love that parable because, uh, that, that paraphrase, because verse 49, 
I, I love it. It says, it says, you know, since we've all worked from our earthy origins, so like we've excelled at sin. We've excelled at selfishness. We've excelled at contempt, both self-contempt and other-centered contempt. We've approached life from the old dead way of thinking of our earthy origins. And now, uh, he's saying, listen, in the same way, with as much enthusiasm and effort that you put into the old earthy ways, embrace His ways, heavenly ways, kingdom of God ways. Life, full life, heavenly life, eternal life is available to you uh, to experience now. And, and so you need to like push into His presence every day. And, and realize, you know, I'm going to approach the throne of grace with confidence because I need it, not because I deserve it. And there's something really important about that. Um, but it, it, because I'm desperate for His presence in my life so I can live the life that He created me to have, that He created me for. A life with throne room perspective, a life, you know, seeing like He sees and thinking like He thinks and serving like He serves, loving like He loves. See, this is, this is the heart of God and what we need to be aware of, that, that we, we are, we're desperately needing His grace and we desperately need His presence in our lives, so we, we push into the throne room because we can now, with confidence, because of what Jesus has done. We don't deserve it, but we need His grace, so we push in, never forgetting how desperate we are for His grace and how, how much we need to be in relationship with Him. And, and so that's the third thing. You know, don't miss the grace of God. Don't miss the grace of God. That's what happened to the older brother. He completely missed the grace of God. Can you, you, you imagine? Now that was his brother that had gone out. He was gone. They thought he was dead. He came back. And, and the brother was like, Pfft. don't want him back. But the heart of the father was, ah, oh, he's back. He's back. And so the, the older brother had missed and was missing completely the grace of God. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So here's the thing. If, if we don't rest in the grace of God, we become bitter. And our lives have a negative impact on the lives of people all around us. That's, that's what happens. If, if we don't understand our desperate need for the grace of God and we don't rest in that, we start thinking that somehow we don't need that or somehow, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're such a, a sort of a gift to the kingdom that, that we don't... Um, we, we, we not only lose the experience of the full life that we can have in Him, we are affecting and impacting neg negatively everybody in relationship around us because this bitterness grows up in there. That shouldn't happen. You can see it so clearly in the older brother. He was bitter. He missed the grace completely of God and what was going on. And so, so you know, what happens is God's given us His amazing grace. And, and what's happened now is that, that we've responded to it ahead of the rest, not instead of the rest. We're just, we're here because we're, we're in ahead of them and, and not instead of them. And it's God's heart, the heart of the Father, is that everybody would experience His grace and receive it and receive His offer um, of coming and joining Him and His family. And so it's on us. It's one of those things where we can choose to participate in God's grace or we can choose not to. But real life is found in Him, in His grace. And so we're going we're gonna to take that thought then and move that into next week when we really start kind of laying out mission and what it looks like and why we do what we do and what we're called to 
here as a group and what that looks like. But it has to be, if, it's, if we don't have a foundation of grace, we won't understand why we do it. It won't make any sense. We don't care. Oh, well, I don't care. I'm in. I'm good. And, and that unfortunately becomes the heart of many folks and it just can't be our heart. Or we'll miss out on the life that we're called to. So when the people of God lose sight of mission, they get very inwardly focused and they're miserable. They're no fun. There's no joy. They're not having a good time. It's just not a good thing. But when our focus is, is like the heart of God and it cares about those, it keeps it where, where we get to see the adventure and be a part of what's going on and watch people come and change. And that's the cool stuff. And he wants us involved in those things. So we're going we're gonna to really look uh, some more next week as we go and talk about, you know, the mission we have and settled in the grace of God and how important that is and understanding our desperate need for it and, and, uh, and what that looks like. So that's where we're headed. That's good for today. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. And if you can, come and visit us. We'd love to see you. If you need prayer, go to the website, keysvineyard.com, and there's a place for prayer. You fill it out, and we'll pray for you. But um, we're going to...